0: Like the zombie horde, we are risen. This is Game Face Radio. I'm your host, Croy Kaze, and I'm here, as always, with Sign of Zeta. Hello. And we are back to bring you a show mostly about anime, video games, and a lifestyle that surrounds these very important features.
1: Or lack of lifestyle.
0: <laughs> you know, like... I mean, this is a, a nerdly show, but I, I try not to let it go too nerdy, you know? I mean, we both got chicks, you know? <laughs>
1: We're not yeah, like... I'm trying to bring it as nerdy as possible.
0: <laughs> I'm not 600 pounds, uh, embalding, wearing thick glasses, and posting on message boards all day. And, you know, if, if you are, it's cool. You can still be in our audience. That's fine.
1: <laughs> I don't know. Once you hit 600, I don't think you can type very much. Y'all think so? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, maybe with, um, uh... No, I don't think you can. That's pretty big. 400, yeah, sure.
0: I think I'm going to have to patent the 600-pounder keyboard. The way America's going, that's going to be more common. You'd have
1: to get one of those two-parter ones, you know? Like people thought were going to be big.
0: Man, I hate those things.
1: Yeah. Isn't it amazing how, like, in the 90s we had all this... I guess you'd call it innovation in keyboards. And uh, all of it got thrown away. And now... We're back to the simplest, cheapest shit you can possibly manufacture.
0: Yeah, indeed. I'm looking at the keyboard in front of me, and there is not one interesting key about it. It doesn't do anything special. Well, well what I was surprised all.
1: with is okay, I'm sitting in front of a unibody MacBook, and people like those keyboards a lot. Like, I know a guy who was like totally Windows and he went and bought the Apple keyboard. I personally hate the thing, but the old, uh, you know, Alps at keyboard it's thicker than two macbooks so it's not like you can actually build that kind of shit into a laptop but i mean it would be i don't really care for those kind of buttons i like big crunchy things that throw sparks every time you hit the keys <laughs> <laughs> definitely
0: you know i want i want some clickiness and some springiness to it i mean
1: yeah people have been complained about how loud i type in years i miss that <laughs> did you have to hit the keys so damn hard
0: the only reason you miss annoying people with your typing is because you're a sociopath.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so, you know, nothing left to do it but to get it on. Mandate, get it on. Um, let's first talk about uh, the model business, because as you may or may not recall, Zeta is very much into the Gundam modeling world, and... uh I've only ever built one, and I failed real hard.
1: Was it one of those LM Evangelion things? Uh,
0: I, no, I don't think so. It's just, I, uh, there's been several times in my life where I've endeavored to construct some sort of miniature something or other. And um, I'm just, I really am bad at it. Like, I glue things to myself, and like, labels get, like, broken in half and then I'm trying to, like, move them together and, you know, like, you know, the kind where you need, like, water to put the labels on and they're super thin and, like, oh, my God, I'm terrible. All that terrible. that's
1: that's relevant to this conversation that I want to have because the market has been more and more moving towards people like, well, not people like you, people like your 10-year-old self, I would say. (laughs) Because, like, when I was a kid, building models was legitimately kind of hard i mean there were snap fit ones but they were considered crap i mean they were crap you could look at them they didn't have the detail and the you know they didn't in america we didn't have uh, all the popular paints were all oil based and um everything was slide transfer decals and everything and it was like you could make a real piece of crap i mean it was actually very hard just to make anything recognizable and but you know now with cnc milling technology and everything the average ingest, injected plastic kit is fairly idiot proof requires no gluing and in fact they've even got it where like the writing on the panels is built into the plastic and the uh, there are no seam lines anymore you just click that shit together it won't look as good as if you put a lot of time into it and paint it for real and all that but it looks very very passable um now, when I'm talking about this, I'm talking about Bandai's high-profile injected plastic kits that are in all the toy stores in Japan and not necessarily the, the high-end garage kits and stuff, which still exist, despite the fact that they're even more far removed from plastic than they used to be as far as how, how much of an undertaking it is. But what I've noticed, a couple things that have really changed in the model industry in the past like decade or so, is that it, um, moving more towards <clears throat> idiot-proof kits that are hideously complicated but really easy to put together. So they'll have like all these gimmicks built in um, and lights and shit. And also the um, price of these things has gotten completely out of control. I mean, the, like some of the first model kits that I bought, and this was a long time ago, but they were like 200 yen or 300 yen. And these were kits from like the early '80s, but I mean, you think about that—that that was like ninety cents in, in, in back then. So like, nothing is that cheap anymore because it costs a buck just to get a capsule toy these days. And so your average like, um, like a one 4th scale Gundam is like eight six inches tall, seven inches tall. Those things used to cost like five. T- Five ten bucks maybe, and now they're or, or, and they're getting more into like thirty five dollars and shit like that. And so the larger ones are some of the one one hundred scale ones, which used to be kind of the a pretty average kit, are like a hundred dollars now for plastic, like plastic kits, not like cold cast, garage limited to twenty units type of shit, but just plastic kits. And that's interesting because now this there's an entire generation of modelers that have no clue how to build anything like and and if there's one seam line they have to fix with putty or something, they flip like what a piece of crap it's got a seam line, you know, <laughs> and it used to be there'd be like fifty of the fucking things to fix on the thing,
0: well, you know, if I spend a hundred dollars, I'm gonna expect no seam lines,
1: yeah, would well, the, yeah, they might as well, yeah, um, and they've gotten it to the point where even some of the small ones that are only like fifteen bucks have got basically no seam lines to fix. Uh, which is interesting because you would think that the garage kit industry, which was where everything is just way harder to build, you'd think that that wouldn't be dead in a market like this, but it isn't. It's actually probably bigger than ever. Um, even though those models are extraordinarily difficult to put together, everything has to be glued. There's no snap anything. And there aren't any seam lines because everything's cast as one piece, you know. Like, mm-hmm. like the entire hand will be a piece instead of being ten pieces. And instead of having the forearm as two pieces with a seam in the middle, it'll just be, like, the forearm. Um, but there's tons of flash, and thing, and things end up getting warped. And, you know, there's a lot of, like, and, and of course, nothing is molded in color. Everything's gray or tan or something. Uh, but that market's doing pretty big. In fact, these companies are putting out models that are disgustingly large. Like, I recently I saw some guy building a a uh was it, 148th scale rx78 gpo2 so 148th scale is like fucking i don't know two and a half feet tall
0: oh yeah because you know that's a chick magnet
1: oh yeah when you, when and then when you, chick, when you tell that when you tell that chick it cut co- it took me 300 hours to build and it cost two thousand dollars <laughs> then she's they'll just, really love you
0: <laughs> she's like i can't wait to procreate <laughs> i can't wait
1: for, we can have a whole bunch of these things and what do you do with a model like that it's so huge you can't put it in like your little model case it's pretty much got to sit it, it takes up an entire corner or it sits on your coffee table or something like because it's massive it's like the barbie dream house <laughs> it's gigantic it's a barbie dream house for like really pathetic guys
0: yeah, you know what? I actually had. I just remembered this. I used to go to like anime conventions in like the the mid '90s or whatever, and um, they had these Mega Man models.
1: Oh, I remember those. That, yeah, they were kind of yeah, action were, figures, kind of models at the same time.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like they had like a whole bunch of articulation, and you could like pose them, and they were really, really easy to put together.
1: Yeah, they're pretty nice.
0: I messed up a couple of those got the lit and i broke a couple of the labels on those and, yeah but like that's with the new stuff that's how um, bad i am
1: it's basically like with the new stuff as long as you don't physically snap anything in half you're probably set but if you do snap stuff in half you're probably more fucked than ever because there's so many pieces you think for a snap kit it wouldn't take you eight hours to build but it actually does because there's so many pieces but i haven't yet got to the most disturbing aspect of the garage and the model industry um and that is the pre-built PVC statue. Uh, PVC is a plastic that's kind of a little bit rubbery, and it used to be used for, like, really crappy toys or um, car bumpers and things. Is that it,
0: what, like, the muscle guys were made out of?
1: No, those are... Well, no, those are just okay. made out of... Um, it depends on if you're talking about the Japanese ones or the American ones. Japanese ones are made out of, like, actual rubber. The American ones, I think, had a a different kind of rubber because they were way harder yeah the japanese ones were quite soft they weren't still weren't an eraser but they were much closer to an eraser now a pvc is more like um like a smurf a smurf toys the little statues that didn't pose or anything the original smurf toys from like the 80s about a hallmark and stuff those are that's pvc that's from um
0: mcdonald's right uh like no it
1: was well maybe but i mean yeah
0: like uh i had a uh, a teacher in high school the entire room was covered in those Smurf toys. Yeah,
1: he probably went to the Hallmark store.
0: He, and he had all of them and uh, was an aggressive collector.
1: Yeah, <laughs> do they yeah, really still make them those? They make like one a week now, and they've been they s- doing it since the '60s. What? Yeah, there's s- thousands of the fucking things.
0: Oh my god,
1: it's amazing because you know you think about how many Han Solo action figures they've released, and it's evidently nothing compared to the number of Smurfettes that have come out. <laughs> I think they are, like, 275 Smurfets or something. That's truly disturbing. It's it's crazy. Um, but, okay, so PVC used to be this low-end shite, right? But it's changed because now the they've refined the processes and everything, and you can make extremely detailed things out of it, like basically as good as you used to only be able to do with cold cast resin and stuff. So what's weird, I find this weird, is you know those... Um, you know those like uh, figure kits, you know, and it, it would be like you know it's um that's the Dragon Ball or something. You know it's Son Goku and he's he's a figure kit. He came in like six pieces, cold cast resin. You got to glue it together and and paint it and everything. Well, somewhere along the line, you know, they put out a lot of these, uh, you know, Ginrei from Giant Robo or Onigai Teacher, you know, and and it got to the point where like this Oh Dead or Live is a big one. These. uh... You know so-called sexy kits okay
0: yeah um, i knew a guy that was into these
1: yeah um kind of creepy 20 years ago but it is way creepier now yeah than ever before because there's two things have changed one is the level of sexual perversion with otaku has transformed like it used to be less it used to be more extreme but less mainstream so, like, you would see, like, you know, nudity and stuff in, like, TV anime. Which, you know, in old I've got old Jump comics that have, like, you know, penises in them and stuff. You never see that shit anymore. But the number of, like, panty shots and tight bras and everything is, like, over... It's everywhere now. Like, it's in every single thing. It's in Gundam and stuff where it just doesn't fucking belong. And so, like, there's this whole industry of these stupid figures of you know chicks bending over and stuff like that it's taken over the the entire figure industry like you basically have these fancy garage these fancy gundam models and then all this this pvc shit but the thing is it's already built that's the other fucked up part as it used to be this dork would have to go in his garage and like glue this shit together and he had so only people who had some sort of skill would have a collection of these things and therefore it was minimized in quantity you know now people just buy them already done for, like, 90 to $300 of, like, my Shiranui, like, already assembled on a platter and everything. Just take it out of the box, set it on the table. Instant perversion.
0: Yeah, start fapping
1: on it. Yeah, it's it's really weird, and they're expensive, and they won't stop coming out. Like, if you frequent, if you get emails from hobby suppliers and stuff, there's, like, one every week. And they're extremely well made. But like I don't like where the fuck does the money where does the like where do people get the money and the interest to just constantly collect this shit? I can't help but think that it's really not sustainable and then it might collapse and boy that wouldn't that be great.
0: <laughs> it, it's a small number of people that are very dedicated to buying every last one combined with a very large audience that buys one.
1: I, yeah. A that's, huge yeah, that's audience probably what it is, is just
0: like this anime was really important to me. I really was really well connected to the, the main teacher from Onagaya Teacher. And boy, I'd really like to have just her, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And they'll they'll do that. So there's this huge audience that just wants one. And then there's these sickos that have them
1: all. And they're like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, I can't wait for my paycheck to come so I can blow the entire thing on a, oh, what's the big? Queen's Blade, which is the... Uh, the work they, they made an, it started out as light novels. They made it into a um, made made a bunch of garage kits out of it that were in Hobby Japan. I think Hobby Japan actually owns Queen's Blade. I'm not sure. And then no, they, that's
0: the way you go. That's vertical <laughs> integration from yeah. manga to anime to model to cash.
1: <laughs> and then and then they made they made the anime. I think after the models, but I don't know. But the the anime is is really bad. Like it's horrible, which is weird because it's it's so popular. Like they could, it's one of those things like uh, Avatar or something. Like I, with that amount of money, you could have a script, right? I mean, you could have someone write a decent script. Obviously, an action movie doesn't have to have one, but there's no reason why it couldn't have one. You know, in some way, you couldn't sneak one in.
0: All right, I I I say though we avoid Avatar discussion.
1: That's fine because I've never even seen it, so it doesn't matter.
0: Yeah. Me neither. And, uh, I just don't even want to get into it, but, um, I actually had this discussion the other day with a lot of people, which is as an anime fan, I am kind of like ashamed of my own industry and this whole cheesecake fan service made cafe harem anime, like side of it, you know, like this. And that's the side that is often the public face. I mean, you know, people walk down the, the anime aisle or whatever at the store or go to an anime website, like, they see all these, like, ridiculous, huge-titted maids bending over in front of a nerd, and there's six of them, and they all love them, and they're just, oh, like... Oh, when you know his nose is they, bleeding. They're, they're, like, this is the most <laughs> adolescent pastime watching this shit. You know, it's it's so pathetic. It's strange how that's
1: changed, because, like, 20 years ago, it would be, like, okay, we know... It, it, it would have a hard time explaining to people that Overfeend is not a mainstream show and that most people in Japan who watch anime every day have no idea Overfeend even exists. Right. But it has a disproportionate um visibility in the American scene because OVAs are so popular. But now stuff like Overfeend is is not really very popular and that's what that makes it even more fucked up because the stuff that is so perverse now is less perverse but more pervasive. It's it's everywhere, right? You can't so, escape it.
0: Here is the query I posed, right? More creepy, karam <laughs> anime fan or avid hentai watcher, um, right? Because all right, let's let's address this from a couple <laughs> that's angles. That's pretty right? close. Before, before we we reach the thing here, in hentai, as we know, anything is possible any kind of disturbed, graphic, horrific, illegal activity. Illegal is just the beginning. (laughs) Yeah, it's like all of that is completely seeable. And anyone that's in to hentai big time is going to have seen all of that, you know, from chicks with 10 dicks to four-year-olds getting screwed and put into a blender. Like, this dude's seen it all.
1: Um, Yawn. so he, he's
0: definitely creeptacular in that fashion. <laughs> On the other end, you've got the Haram anime guy. This is a guy that is so infatuated with virtual women that he'll watch completely banal interactions between them. Oh, yeah. He will watch them just... Yeah talk
1: yeah they just chat in front cook. of their locker
0: <laughs> yeah and, and and just just talk at school and <laughs> he'll he'll refer to them with honorifics all the time oh it's even certainly, in yeah, a certainly casual conversation he'll buy a pillow that has their oh, face on the it pillows yeah he'll, he'll oh, uh man he'll cover his room in posters he'll buy her three hundred dollar figure he'll, uh, you know, marry her, like that one guy married his, <laughs> his virtual DS girlfriend. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I mean, you know, these, so who is ultimately the creeper? The guy that is romantically enthralled with a virtual woman and, and buys dojinshi of her so that he can see her nude, but it's not, like, the intent? Or the guy that, like, rapid fire like just looks at a virtual woman then you know like faps and forgets just like any any form of pornography really yeah because some of the stuff he's exposed to is going to be way off the deep end
1: well the really the thing with the really perverse shit is most of those people have a better sense of how unrealistic it is and how detached from normalcy it is like they don't go out in the world and wonder like, why, why aren't there over fiends? you know, but like <laughs> the guy who the guy who watches the um, harem shows and stuff, like I think he's less likely to understand well, I think he's less likely to understand the opposite sex for one thing, but like he thinks that shit's more normal, you know, and that's,
0: i I concur, and that is why I give my vote to creepiest guy. Harem anime enthusiast, it, you sir, freak uh, me out. Um,
1: I, I I think it's very close because some of, the, well, most of the time the creepy guy is fairly solid, but every once in a while you get a really deranged one. And there have been a, you know, these cases. Um, this was like a long time ago, but there was a, I believe at least two cases in Japan where like serial killers have found found to have large collections of hentai OVAs. Um, Not surprising. What would they have? Large collections of military models? Um, But so there's that. But generally, yeah, definitely. Usually a more functional human being.
0: (laughs) I'm going to cut you off here because you're like, yeah, these killers are found to have large collections of hentai OVAs. You know what? Let's start kicking in random doors of single Japanese men and see who doesn't have a large <laughs> collection of anti I feel that that is a completely like foul. Like cause it's like, oh, this American killer was really into pornography. Yeah, yeah. I mean, camera gives you a multi-billion-dollar
1: <laughs> industry. I mean, who's who's it's, not? I guess.
0: Yeah, find me single dudes that don't watch any porn that aren't like clergy or something. <laughs> you know, it's like ch- it's.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah there's probably, no reason yeah.
0: to demonize that sort of thing that's why anti-guy <laughs> creeps me out less because it's like he turns it on he faps he turns it off he goes and plays <laughs> xbox or you know he goes outside like it's yeah, done he for him he
1: doesn't talk to his little dolls and stuff. Yeah, it's,
0: it's not a persistent world for that guy
1: yeah um i don't know all i know is i i hope that when all this shit melts down that it does so in a in a reasonable way and it doesn't take yeah. it out you know it isn't too much collateral damage well, That's you know, I, I
0: honestly I really wish the entire anime industry of America would just dry up and blow away it like mostly a, a has. leaf in
1: the wind. It mostly Apparently, has
0: Apparently no, 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 no. It's still like big 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 big, big dollars are still in it. Not Wh- as where much are they buying as the, not as much as the early 90s, but like I still like like I post on certain anime fandom places. There is still a huge audience of people that have never watched a subtitled anime. Like, they only watch American, and they they know all of the... uh, Oh, they know the American
1: voice actors? Yeah, they know all the voice
0: actors, (laughs) and they're like, oh, man, like, you know, Shanna Easton did a great job on this. I am like, what are you guys talking about? That truly took
1: me back. The first time I I ran into someone who knew American voice actors, I'm like, who the hell is that? Oh, she's, you know, he's the voice actor for, you know, an avalgado or something. You mean the janitor? I mean, I never, I didn't realize. I mean, I knew, I mean, I hung out with voice actors before. I just never listened to any work they've ever done or ever took them seriously in any way.
0: You're right. It's like, like, because you and I were were in the con scene, we always considered those guys kind of second-class citizens in the 90s. Well, I just
1: thought it was cool that they were somehow making money off the industry. It never occurred to me that they actually affected the product.
0: (laughs) Yeah, like, you know, it's just like, like oh wow you know crispin freeman to give it another talker uh, <laughs> like you know was it
1: spike spencer was it who's the I guy don't. who's the guy who is whoever did like what's the whiny bastard from ava his name shinji aramaki is shinji yeah. something um whoever did his voice was like everyone just absolutely hated that guy because you know he did this whiny bitch voice but i was just thinking you know the um That's what he sounded like in Japanese. He was a whiny bitch in Japanese. He did a pretty good job, right? I don't know.
0: You know, um, a little note about Eva. For the longest time, I have really disliked Evangelion, right? I I find it really pretentious and really overwrought for no reason. Um, I didn't feel like there was any point to the entire last half of the show. Like, other than for the, the... maker to have a breakdown and go insane and, (laughs) like, just not really be able to turn out, like, a good product. Then, I had this conversation the other day, and this guy tells me that the Eva manga is totally dissimilar from the anime. And I was like, really? He's like, yeah, it has, like, sense, and it, it doesn't have all the pretentious, like, overwrought shit in it, and it's just, like, a way better product. So, I have made, like, a mental note that I'm going to Try and read the Eva manga at some point, and you know, I'll report back on how that goes. Did, and see if was he's this, not uh, lying.
1: This came after the show, or bef- it came after the show, didn't it? I don't
0: know, don't know, haven't researched into that much, but I was just shocked that there was like a non shitty version of Eva out
1: there. Possibly. Well, the, the weird thing about uh, things that exist as manga and anime, which is most of them, um, sometimes you have these things like Dragon Ball where they make it into a show and it's more or less identical and then you have um and that it might still be better which i think that it is but it's still pretty much the same thing and then you have these ones where like, that are totally useless where like as the ova is coming out they're serializing the manga version in um, b club or something and it's exactly the same thing those are just totally worthless they have no purpose and then you have these other ones where they'll make the show first and then they make a manga later that fleshes it out and makes it better, which sometimes happens with movie novelizations, um, which are just the worst type of book in existence. But sometimes they they do have new shit thrown in them to flesh things out. That happened with, uh, like with Giant Robo, there's actually sort of a semi-side story sequel type of deal that I've pretty sure has never been in English and I've never even bothered to look for. But everyone who, who loves Giant Robo has like 60 million questions about it. So a manga that tells you anything would be very valuable and maybe it's something like that
0: yeah i mean like one of the things that i've had to deal with about basically being a married guy is i've had to pretty much leave manga behind me uh it's not something i i can do anymore
1: can't put it on a memory card it's too big
0: because (laughs) well no it's it's because uh like anime is a couple activity We could both sit there and watch it and enjoy it and then discuss it. But manga is solitary. Um, So it's like when I was single, I used to read huge amounts of manga, mind-exploding amounts of it, all day, every day, as much as I could get my hands on, piles and piles of it. And now it's like I don't really have that time to go sit in the corner by myself and read lots of manga. So uh, it's pretty much left my life. I I haven't read a lot.
1: I've made that work before in the past. I mean, if you have a big collection of, I mean, you're talking about paper or files.
0: Well, I used to do both. A lot of
1: if both. you're talking about paper, it's fairly easy to just read volume one, hand it to the next person, start reading volume two, and it's a it's a semi simultaneous real activity. Well,
0: my wife doesn't isn't a big reader, mostly because English is a foreign language for her. So. Yeah.
1: Well, then that's then you just both read it in Japanese, and neither one of you knows what the fuck's going on. And can, <laughs> then you can interact and then ask questions about it.
0: We can just take guesses and yeah. filling in the yeah. blanks. That's,
1: like. See, that's the thing. Like, that's another thing about, like, the people who only watch dub stuff is, like, when I got into anime, there was, and, and manga also as well, tons of uh, raw stuff all the time. Because that was the only choice. You know, finding subs was hard. Finding raw stuff was hard. You did what you, you know, what you... You had what you had. Now it's like if someone bothers to release something raw on the internet, you're like, fuck it. In six hours, it'll be subtitled. And you just don't look then, you know? Exactly. You know, things were hard back then. <laughs> so, like, yeah, you're fucking with the was... tracking dial all the time <laughs> so you can just see what the hell's going on because the tape was 50th generation.
0: Uh, anime was like uh, like a bad girlfriend. Like, you know, she was like real hard to love. <laughs> she like didn't treat you so well, but like, yeah, you just kept coming back.
1: The roller coaster that scares the shit out of you, but as soon as you get off it, you want to get right back on.
0: Exactly. Yeah, like it was uh and you know, since we're talking about old school anime, let's talk robot carnival. Um Robot Carnival it has a kind of near and dear place in my heart. And if you haven't seen it, it's essentially like a collection of little like vignettes, all kind of centered around robots and anime. And um the way myself and a lot of people were exposed to robot carnival was actually the first anime I ever saw. Um, Like basically back in 1994, I think Um, I was at home kind of staying up late and uh, I had turned on the TV and um, TBS of all stations was showing. Oh yeah. They had a deal with streamline at the time. They were they were showing Vampire Hunter D mm-hmm. dubbed, and I mean I immediately froze. I'm like, what the hell is this stuff? And I sit there and I watch it, and immediately afterwards comes Robot Carnival, and I watch that too. So it's like, you know, four in the morning on a school night, and like I'm I'm sitting there like transfixed, and like my eyes are just like streaming tears because they're so dried out from not blinking, because <laughs> I was just so shocked by what i was seeing i didn't even think that you know like animation could be awesome you know it was kind of that time where like maybe the coolest thing out was like the x-men cartoon or something like you know where wolverine always clawed robots (laughs) you know that kind of thing yeah so it's like watching people in vampire Hunter d get their shit cut in half and like watching um like part of Robot Carnival that that tells kind of a melancholy, sad story. Like I just really wasn't prepared for a medium to deliver that kind of experience. And uh, so it's like Robot Carnival and Vampire Hunter D always kind of got like that special place in my memory. Like when it was all very magical.
1: Well, they're also very, not so much with Vampire Hunter D, but with Robot Carnival, both of these movies are theatrical releases they're, you know, real. They spent real money on them. And they're polished, and they're, you know, real projects. And they're not like, you know, episode 400 of Naruto, which is pretty much the same as episode 399. These are, like, special things, and so they do tend to last. Um, the reason why um, we're talking about this is because the other day I was going through my laser discs and cataloging them, and I ran into Robot Carnival. And some that led me to an Internet search, uh, because I was trying to find something about it, I don't know. But in it, I noticed in the Wikipedia, it says that it was it was released on DVD in Japan, and which is obviously out of print, because anime stays in print for like 10 minutes in Japan. And it was never released on DVD in America. Which means, and this happens to me every once in a while, where I have to realize that things that I was overexposed to are shit that some people have never even seen, because that was a long time ago. And if you haven't seen Robot Carnival, you've been robbed because that is, like, a really great piece. And I don't know how you're going to find it because the only way you can get it, I'm sure you can download it, not too hard to find, but you can't. there's a VHS and there's a LaserDisc. The VHS is a thousand times easier to find. Um, a digital file would be the easiest way to get it, probably. But what it is basically is a... They took the famous animation directors of the day, which I don't remember when it was. Okay, 1987. Um, and they gave, they said, make some shorts. Um, and the theme is robots. And that's it. And so you have... Um, the, the biggest name director in there, I think, at the time was uh, Otomo, who did um, Akira and um, Neo Tokyo scenes and stuff like that. He does, like, the opening and ending, and then in between you have a few... Um, famous guys um i think the project aiko director possibly uh hiyoke Kittizume did one of them he was the character designer for zeta gundam and a few other things and these are shorts and they're made in completely they weren't all made in the same studio some of them are like completely different styles from other ones and some of them are shot at different aspect ratios, some are wide, some are T V size. And so it's they're really different things. And I I I'm I like anthologies in general. But this one is one of my favorite. It's uh, pretty good. Look for it somewhere. Yeah, if you're, you're um, trying to find it, I can't help you.
0: <laughs> if you're uh, a Yasunomi Umetsu fan, the guy that did uh kite mezzoforte, um, he's got a segment in there. Um Like, definitely, I think the the melancholy segment, uh, I don't want to really ruin what it goes into, but I feel it's probably the best piece in there. Um, I will say there is this one segment just called Cloud, and it's just a robot walking through time with some clouds in the background. Like, that shit was really hard to watch live on TV when I couldn't just fast forward. That's the one that puts a lot of
1: people to sleep. It's it's good, but it's it's more for the animation elitist kind of a person and not really the I-want-to-see-something-by-the-fist-of-the-north-star-guy kind of thing. Um, yeah, basically. <laughs> that one that you mentioned by Umetsu, um, Presence, that's the one with the robot girl. The guy builds a robot girl, like in a shed. Right. Yeah, that one's really outstanding because it, it was... Um, during it was the school of thought during the 80s with animation like theatrical animation was oh i have more money i can put more detail in the cells the cells are larger physically larger you can put more um colors in them and they went apeshit with that one like that one has some of the most detailed cells of of its time up there with like macross the movie and five star stories and stuff like that
0: yeah and then the other segment like you were saying with the guy that did um Zeta Gundam, oddly enough, and Mobile Suit Z, the Starlight Angel segment. Yeah. Like, there's some good stuff in there. It's definitely worth watching. Like, there's some fun ones. Um, I, I think it's definitely uh, something everyone should see just so they can kind of be like, wow, back in 1987, like, people would come up with this. What's really kind of awesome is the um, the intro. Yeah. Like, uh, The intro, the intro the is... R- the intro and the outro themselves are a really, like, kind of awesome thing with the title sequence kind of wrecking the shit out of stuff. And it's, yeah, it's all it's good. It's very
1: similar to the uh, same guy who did Cannon Town as a section of uh, Memories. Same director yeah. did Memories.
0: Yep. And uh, so, basically, you know, you're wondering if you can get this. Well, I can tell you right now, like, as I speak, it's on the Pirate Bay, but there's only three seaters, and it's two gig's. so i I really hope that works out for you
1: i hope that's from like the japanese dvd so it's as clean as possible
0: who knows i'm i'm guessing that's probably where it's from because where else would you get a two gig rip of Um, uh this show
1: yeah don't go on ebay and pay four hundred dollars for the laser disc don't be a douche just let that shit slide (laughs) it'll come out on blu-ray for 50 bucks or 30 bucks or 20 bucks and just get it then it won't stay gone forever it's just good a complete stuff usually, fluke that it got lost.
0: Yeah. Good stuff usually finds its way back in some form or another. Um, let's see here. So I guess I haven't really talked about video games at all. And, I mean, predictably, I play a crap ton of video games. I mean, I could talk about every sort of major release, triple-A title, yada 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 i could go on and on and on it at, at great length oh, about that kind of thing <laughs> but it's you know like basically long before um like one of the one of the things that the reason that it kind of brought this show to a standstill for the last year is like we basically face down like major competition from like huge like million dollar companies in the podcast space. Like, you know, Game Face Radio predates one up yours. It predates like all of the, the major gaming podcasts. I mean, we were there when it was there was nothing. Um we kinda got in on the ground floor and like then those guys showed up with their their vip access and their behind the scenes and like you know producer interviews and stuff like that and it was just like you know really how can i compete like i couldn't even begin to to attract that kind of interest um especially since you know we talked about things like modding and pirating and importing and those instantly make you kind of an enemy in any sort of uh with any sort of industry person so, like, it, it was kind of, uh like, you know, kind of discouraging, I guess, to see so many people kind of jump in the space and see it take off so big and kind of get left behind. So, you know, like, I'm not going to bother telling you that Dragon Age is, like, clearly the best game of the last year or, you know, anything like that. Because, I mean, you can find that anywhere else. You don't need me to tell you. So... I think from here on out, any video games I'm going to talk about, I'm going to try and talk about something that at least maybe you have not played or didn't even know existed. Um, So I guess the game I'm going to talk about is for the PSP. Uh, It's got some unbelievable, ridiculously long name. It's uh, like Shonen... Let's see. Shown uh, psp sunday versus magazine shuketsu chojo daikasen
1: wow right so it's a <laughs> it's like a jump superstars
0: yes it yeah. is essentially you know sunday versus attempt at cashing in on the huge success of uh superstars and superstars actually like was sold at best buy and stuff in america like it caught <laughs> on pretty good
1: ultimate stars was not though which yeah. is unfortunate because that one's better
0: yeah I mean it's the sequel It's they fixed everything about it is better in every way um, so this is a PSP game so the graphics are obviously a lot nicer than the, uh, the Game Boy 1 and you get um, Ippo and Takamura from Hajime no Ippo you get a couple characters from Fairy Tail you get Negi from Negama you get a couple Air Gear you get Mekazawa um, from Marty uh whoa, get, really
1: yeah okay now you i'm get, interested you get bond from shit.
0: okay hold on <laughs> you get bond from get backers um uh, kyo from samurai deeper kyo um uh, someone uh named kotaro from kotaro makari Toru, which i've never seen uh devil man whoa uh <laughs> Um, I don't, I don't know if you know the really, really old anime Ashita no Joe.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a new but show. It, Didn't they make that again recently?
0: I don't know. maybe I it, I, it's, it's the show that invented the cross counter, which is when <laughs> two guys punch yeah. each other in the face at the same time that you see in every anime. Yeah. Like Ashita no Joe is the inventor of that. So Joe Yubuki is in the game. Uh, Tiger Mask. Oh
1: so, shit. Uh, I gotta get this.
0: And, uh, Cyborg 009. Oh my
1: God i gotta get this
0: um that's on the the shonen side and then the shonen sunday side is um Hayate from I no goto kaoru from zetai karen children a uh, couple characters from kakashi uh, kenichi and miyu from uh, history strongest disciple kenichi uh inuyasha Ueki uh, from Law of Ueki, Rekka from Flame of Rekka, Ryo from Project Arms, uh, Ushio from Ushio and Tora, mm-hmm. um, Yaiba from Swordmaster Yaiba, Ichiro from Kyoku Chojin-R.
1: Oh my and, god, you've got to be kidding me.
0: Nope. And Nobu uh, <laughs> Takasawa from Blazing Train for <laughs> a Student.
1: That's amazing.
0: So it's quite a, it's quite a varied cast of... Uh, different shown in badasses
1: there was somebody and, uh they made an action figure for like uh, the guy from chojan R recently which surprised the shit out of me because that's like a seriously obscure manga and to me it seems like i can't find any information on it at all i have some of them and that's it
0: <laughs> yeah it's uh so the game engine like and a lot of a lot of games do this by default the control set is like the shitty weak ass control set right so make sure you look at a fact, so that you see when you're selecting your character that you need to pick advanced controls. Otherwise, this game is bullshit. <laughs> it's like forward in this button does a fierce punch and up in this button does a sure you can. And, like, you know, it's, like, totally awful. But then when you turn it to advanced mode, like, especially if, like, say you're Ippo from Hajime no Ippo. Um, Ippo's a boxer. He's incredibly fast and really short-ranged. And it's possible to do, like, 12-hit standing strings with Epo off of a, like, super-fast jab. So, like, combo stuff does happen. Um, There's, like, strikers slash assists. Um, Like, it's a a really complete game. It takes a long time to unlock everything. um, Because most annoyingly... Like, you have to do this stupid adventure mode to grind for gems. And the <laughs> gems. gems... Yeah, the the gems don't buy you characters like they do in Ultimate Stars. They buy you abilities. Like, you might have this guy, but if you want the, like, super move he learned, like, way later in the series, you gotta pay for it. It's like, so you'll get him with his, like, beginning of the series moves, but if you want super saiyan 3 version of him you're gonna have to to grind for some gems and pay for it um but it's a pretty solid fighting system it's fun the graphics are great the sound is really great i have a question Um,
1: i assume this is 3d uh i
0: don't i mean no i don't think so no i mean are they
1: polygons or are they sprites
0: i wonder if there's something in between there isn't (laughs) <laughs> well, you know, they're, like, really well-shaded polygons or something. Like, I mean, I, it's the well, PSP Well, I guess there screen, is something in small. between.
1: There's the thing they did with the new KOF where you 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 make the guy in poser, and then you trace over the top of it and make it, like, a sprite.
0: Yeah, see, I'm I'm going to load it up real quick because it's been a while since I've seen the screen before I tell you. I mean, all the menus and everything are obviously in great 2D art. I'm just trying to get, like, a picture of a battle here so I can more affirmatively answer that it looks like I mean, it looks like 2d may be drawn on 3d it's hard to tell well, it really then, is then that's a like, good sign like they did a good job of faking it you know
1: yeah but that's good because uh, if it was horrible 3d it'd be really obvious
0: yeah i mean i think i mean it's i think it's definitely 3d but i just think it's done really well and the gameplay is very very 2d fighterish yeah you know
1: camera angle doesn't move too much
0: not at all, Yeah, ever. well, that's good. <laughs> you know, um, I mean, it's it plays basically just like any old Capcom fighting game. Punch, 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 special, cancel, super, you know? Yeah, excellent. And uh, it's got a great cast. It's a lot of fun. Um, is it as good as Jump Ultimate Stars? No, for the sake of Jump Ultimate Stars, like, anything is possible, because the cast is just so huge. But if you want a PSP fighting game that is maybe more geared towards your anime and video game fetish, which is why you're listening to us probably then yeah, by all means go out there and and wreak some havoc.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I will. I'll look into that. Um, lately I've been playing, well, here's the deal. I had an original DS, the Mario Kart one, actually, and Wait,
0: is that like a DS Fat?
1: DS Fat, as they call it, yeah. Okay. And I warrantied that thing twice because the touchscreen kept getting really, really fucking inaccurate. And I play a lot of games where you don't use a touchscreen very much, so it would happen at some point. And I never even knew you like knew it, but um, I got to the point where I wore out my warranty and my warranted warranty, and I had to get, like I got to get a new machine, right? So I never had a light, and I needed a new DS, so I went out and I bought the DSi because it seemed silly to buy a light when the DSi was out, because it's, you know, same thing. And so I didn't, I by no means, did, you know a lot of people want to know, is it worth getting a DSi over a light? You know, are, are the internet features worth it? Obviously the camera isn't, but are the internet, are the internet features worth it? And um, I didn't buy it for the internet features, I just bought it because my DS was junk. So I bought it, and... I'm very surprised by the quality of the software that you can get for it, and I've been buying stuff on that, and it's cheap, like $2 for some of these games, uh, $5 for some of the better ones. Um, if you remember uh, Electroplankton, which is kind of a trippy experimental music project type of deal, yep. um, it was technically released in the U.S., but only by mail order, and it was kind of really hard to find. I think it probably goes for like 60 bucks on eBay or something.
0: I don't know. I've played it.
1: Well, I had, like, you know how there's the different kind of fish that you can make music with, and so you go into that fish. Well, what they did is they sold all the fish separately for 200 B points or DSI (laughs) points for 2 bucks. So if you buy them all, it still ends up costing less than than the game does. Um, And if you've played it before, you know there's a couple fish you might not necessarily want (laughs) because some of them are a lot cooler than the other ones. Yeah, Uh, like
0: the one that lets you record a sample and then, like, make tracks. Like That fish is good.
1: Well, I like the one where you shoot the fish up like a cannon, and when he falls through the plant, each of the leaves is like a xylophone key. Yeah, that's true. That kind of stuff. Really good for $2. Um, Another thing that's out there is the Art Style series, which is like a a chain of games that are usually pretty damn simple, but have a very unique visual aesthetic to them. Uh, one of which is Precipice, which is a lot like the IQ games for Sony machines where you got to walk around and push a box around and shit. And that's you like you're on a tower and there's bricks falling on it, but you're standing on this tower. So you have to shove all the bricks around and make the floor as flat as possible so that you can keep adding to the floor and go up with the tower. I've played the fuck out of this game. Like, I don't know why, but for some reason that thing was very addictive to me. There's another one called Box Life where you... There's like this paper comes out of a machine, and it's isometrically gridded, and you have to cut it up into pieces and build little forms and then roll the box up. You make boxes for a living. Um, that's on there. Another thing is Flipnote Studio, which is basically super duper Mario Paint, where you you draw the shapes, you animate them, you put in sound files, you, I mean, and it will actually convert them to um, Shockwave files and put them on your memory card. Or you can upload them to the internet and share them with people and stuff. Super amazing. That one's actually free. If you buy a DS, you just download that program for free. Wow. Which is interesting because it's by far the best thing on it. Um, If you like art programs like Mario Paint and shit, this thing just blows them all away. It's amazing. Um, And recently I've been playing one called... I'm looking at my DS right now. Starship Defense, which is a castle defense game, like Rampart kind of thing. I like these kinds of games because... Um, basically, you know you have a base or something and all this shit will come at it and you have to fortify it. Um, that one's really cool because it looks like a uh, a gritty getting game like geometry Wars or uh, noise 2a and um, yeah oh, there's another one called Pictobits, which is another puzzle game, but it's based on the Nes era and it all the music when you when you build the um, you build a picture like a classic sprite like Mario or an excite bike out of the pieces that you're making disappear on the bottom of the puzzle. And it starts making the music more deep. It adds tracks to the music. And they're all like remixes of Nest tracks, but they're done by um, YMCK, which is like a semi-famous chiptune band in Japan, If such a thing as a famous chiptune band. Um, so really, oh, I forgot <laughs> craziest one yet, Dragon's Lair. The Dragon's Lair, the Laserdisc arcade game from the 80s on ds believe it or not totally playable video is not really that bad um it's not as good as like getting the blu-ray version but it's very snappy because there there's no delay for disc access which is a
0: blu-ray version
1: of dragon's Lair, yeah
0: (laughs) i would have never even guessed that that would exist
1: there's a version of dragon's Lair for every single thing they can put it on because it's no one's making any games like that anymore. So they just keep re-cranking out the same things. You, just, you know they have Mad Dog McCree for Wii? I saw that at the store. <laughs> Mad Dog McCree, the FMV gun game. Not very wow. good, but they're still putting that out.
0: I guess when you when you invested a lot of money in a Dragon's Lair into having it animated, you yeah, know, yeah. like, but once you spent that money, like, I guess you were kind of set forever because it... It must have paid for itself like a hundred times over by now.
1: Oh, I think so. Well, it was fairly successful in the time. It was an expensive machine, but if you remember, it was the first 50 cent game. So it was all that was accommodated in the original model. It was not a long-term gainer. I mean, it it made lots of money immediately. Um when it first came out, it used the original Pioneer industrial laser disc deck which was an absolute fucking monster. It was so huge. Just to give you an idea, you know a laser disc is 12 inches, right? So no laser disc player is small. But this thing was massive because you put the disc in upside down. The laser was on the lid. It was top loading. Okay, so the fucking humongous, way bigger than a turntable. And when it moved, instead of the laser moving on a sled, the disc moved. So it was not only wide enough to accommodate a 12-inch disc, but it was, a, it was wide enough to come in a 12-inch disc that moved 6 inches to the right as it played. And, Holy fuck. Yeah, it was. A, it, they cost like $6,000. They were, they were built like tanks. But the problem with them was um, Dragon's Lair. Well, Dragon's Lair was a CAV laser disc, which means the speed stays the same all the time, which makes access very quick. Because all you got to do is move the head. You don't have to spin the disc up and down like a CD-ROM or something but the problem is dragon's layer is always looking for scenes all the time so the shit's moving around physically all the time you know which is why there's that little gap between the scenes and that just obliterated these players i mean these were really good players but it was they weren't really designed to put up with that so they got when they as they broke they were replaced with more modern user uh, that use solid state lasers instead of gas lasers and the laser moved instead of the Spindle, so they were a bit more uh, reliable. The the ones they replaced it with, like um, LDV eight thousands, are still operating. I have an LDV eight thousand. It's from nineteen eighty eight. It uh, still works like a charm. It's quiet. Um, it cost probably four thousand dollars when it was new. So you, <laughs> so it's no surprise that it lasted <laughs> all this time. I think I bought it for twenty bucks. Or, actually, I think it was free. They're very common because they never break, and their usefulness, you know, goes away. So basically, you pay shipping, pretty much, and then get them for free. It's also the same one that was used in schools um, for the laser barcode stuff. Like they would put all these images on a disc because you can fit forty-five thousand frames on an LD. Um, and then there'd be a book full of names of all the pictures and barcodes and it'd be a, a light pen and you'd go like, I want to see a picture of an aortic valve and you go beep and it would just go right to the aortic valve. So a bunch of those, which aren't in use anymore, um, for, because of the invention of CD-ROM and the internet and everything, uh, you can get these decks for basically nothing and they're not broken. No way. I don't know what you have to do to break them. Certainly playing them isn't going to do anything. <laughs> to drop them out of a plane, because <laughs> you could literally put a disc on there, set it to random play and repeat, and walk away and come back like ten, fifteen years later, and I have no doubt that it would still be playing. I mean, compared to you know iPods that crap out after three months, that stuff from back then is just untouchable.
0: Wow, I didn't expect words like that out <laughs> of the world's biggest Mac fanboy.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think you need to re- I think you need to meet some real Apple fans.
0: <laughs> Your email address is at mac.com.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, that isn't because I necessarily like the name, it's because I like the service.
0: Well, I am I am a stalwart Gmail enthusiast. I love Google. I can't wait until they merge with Amazon and take over the world in 2015.
1: Well, you know how um whenever any nowadays um I don't know if this happens to you, but it happens to me a lot. People will have a file or something. Maybe it's wares or maybe it's just a home movie. And it's like 300 megabytes, so you can't email it. And they're like, here's a link to the thing. And what do you get? You get a link to RapidShare. And I hate RapidShare. Especially if they've stuck it in, like, 12 RARs, and you have to go there and, like, wait your turn. Yep. And then if you wait for the timer, and if you wait too long, the timer has to restart. And then after you download, like, two files, you um, you can't. You've, like, exceeded your limit for them. It says, come back in 15 minutes. Okay, because I have a .Mac account, I actually have real web space that's really reliable and has no ads and i can just give you an http link to the exact file and you can just have it so no one has to Ooh. sit through ads for Ooh. me <laughs>
0: free free web space no well, one's not free that anywhere. It's, it's not
1: free i'm just saying it's ad free
0: <laughs> yeah like uh i have a mega upload account like best like I, I i split it a bunch of ways with my friends so we all use it and it was really cheap and it's the best deal ever Mega Upload is incredible. I downloaded 7.5 gigs off of Mega Upload the other day in an hour and 15 minutes.
1: <laughs> that's, I love that's, Mega pretty, th- yeah, that's pretty good. That means their shit's not choking.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I mean, that's a 6.3 megabits a second transfer. You know, when you're clicking download and it says it runs at 400k or whatever? Yeah, yeah. This would yeah, be 6,000. <laughs> 6,300 is how fast I'm able to download. I have fiber to the home now um, because of where I live. It's provided by the publicly owned power company, which is awesome.
1: That's pretty awesome, yeah.
0: Privately owned power companies are gay. Publicly owned power companies (laughs) are great. (laughs) Uh, So, all right, I guess, you know, let's address real quick um, kind of what we've been up to uh, as a way to close out the show here um since we last spoke um i have moved to washington state um i am on the road to seattle Uh, that that mission was important i wanted to leave the midwest and illinois all behind and it has been great um having a great time out here i have fiber to the home Um, i also decided to take up snowboarding because, you know, there are no mountains anywhere around where I grew up. And uh, I just thought that hurtling down one on a piece of plastic for some mysterious reason seemed like a good idea. So I've been snowboarding basically every weekend since Thanksgiving. Uh, just trying to get good at that. And it's a challenge. So And it gives you something to do with the winter months. You know, it's, a, it's a reason to get out and have fun in the winter, which I never really had before.
1: How cold is it when you um when you go up on the hill? Uh
0: it's like 30 something.
1: Oh, that's pretty good.
0: Yeah, it's like it's not bad at all. It doesn't really get cold here, you know? Like that that cold snap that like annihilated the US. Um I coincidentally was in Los Angeles that week. <laughs> uh I I got a a $30 ticket from JetBlue to head over to to LA. So I uh, I hung out in LA for a couple of days and I went and saw Conan O'Brien, and uh, turned out that uh, doing that in December was the right move. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like it, Because yeah. it's like by January he was gone. Like I really barely made it in on time, so that's awesome. Um, let's see here. I uh, I dyed my dog green.
1: Oh, um, wow.
0: Basically, I was just like, you know, it would be cool if he were green. <laughs> So I I went down to the uh, grocery store and I bought a bottle of food coloring and um, I mean there are a lot of ways on the internet will tell you how to do this but really from experience what you want to basically do is just kind of put it on a brush of some sort and just brush it through their coat and uh, use a lot of it until you're pretty sure they're, they're the color you desire and then just like let them dry. Like, what I did was I took a um, a tire and I put, like, a big plastic bag over the tire, like a huge one, and then I put the dog in the middle of the plastic tire, and, like, he just sat there and fell asleep and dried out, and it was all good. So, yeah, I have a green dog now. Um, that's that's, long that's that just lasts. weird.
1: And, you know, when the cops come and they ask me questions, I'm going to have to tell them what I know. <laughs>
0: It is not. <laughs> it is not illegal to use food coloring on a dog. Okay. Like I, I get so sick. Of everyone being like,
1: "That's cruelty to animals." Oh, like they like, give a shit. I'm green. It's whatever. Like, whatever. They don't care. Pr-
0: it's like you bought your dog at a puppy mill. <laughs> <You
1: know? laughs> yeah, like, I know. If they got a purebred, you don't
0: fucking shit about. Yeah, if like, they got a purebred, they're already
1: in cruelty territory.
0: Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like I got my dog like from someone that like you know only raises like small litters of two or three like you know. He's virtually free of health defects. Like, I didn't. I am not cruel to my dog at all. And, like, you know, for him, he hates all baths, right? He just hates them. So this was just, like, another bath that he did not like. <laughs> it was yeah. basically the same level of perturbed, and, like, he quickly forgot all about it, and he doesn't try to lick it off or anything. See, dog, here, dogs so. are
1: quite resilient. They don't give a shit about that stuff. One time my girlfriend took my cat to the groomer, and this is a black and white Maine coon, so it's got like some major fucking fur. Um and she got it all trimmed down and stuff and it was like that's that that's never gonna happen again. There's no way. Because it looked like an idiot <laughs> for starters. You're used to this like massive hair with a basically a mane and a and a tail that is, you know, when fully fluffed about six inches in diameter. I mean huge thing and it comes back like a naked mole rat and it affects its attitude you know i mean a dog isn't like that a dog isn't usually that concerned with its appearance you know it doesn't its feelings don't get hurt that they're tough you know but the cat is like i sleep 15 hours a day and i spend the rest of it licking myself i care about the way i look and you fuck with it and it was bad and it affected his attitude i mean he was depressed for like a week So it's it's never going to happen again. Cat
0: depression.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, certainly. That was a Monty Python skit. The cat was depressed, and you have to hire the cat confusing service to come over and confuse the cat. And it will shake it from its stupor.
0: Um, So let's see. Yeah, um, I'm in Washington. I'm, uh, you know, if you're in Seattle and you you know uh, a place that needs a good IT guy, you know, get in touch. (laughs) Um,
1: Isn't that where they all are? Isn't that where they grow them?
0: Well, you know, like I have a particular set of skills and these skills they make me a nightmare for people like you.
1: Yeah. Do can you can you get my password? <laughs> can you reset my password, please?
0: Um, so you know, I I do uh I'm a network admin, I do stuff like, you know, managing Active Directory and SQL Server and Yada 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 and generally lording my control over the company's vital, vital services to all its employees. It's like, oh, you want access to these files, eh? Well, you were a jackass last month. So
1: Did you try like, turning it off and on again? That kind of thing? Yeah. Do you just no, never like, do you ever just not answer the phone?
0: Um, no. I mean I try to always always answer the phone. Like I do believe that, you know, like the the kind of pride you get from being an IT guy is like my network is like humming along perfectly without problem. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, where people aren't complaining this thing is slow or this thing crashes and it's like, what's well, it's all just like a really well-oiled machine. Like, there's a certain level of pride to that. Kind of like, and I'm not talking from any experience here, but I'm going to kind of guess like how a car guy would feel about his car, you know?
1: Well, his car yeah. or somebody else's because those are two different universes. Well, probably his own. Like, yeah. His own, I, then well, that's, yeah, That's there's a sense of satisfaction there.
0: Yeah, it's like when I talk about my network, it's my network. It's not their network. It's mine. <laughs> I I do it. It's I take care of. It. It's my thing, you know. So, like that's that's kind of like why I enjoy the work that I do. I do get satisfaction for when that stuff works, and you know, it also means that like I get to skirt rules if I have to. You know, it's like every other employee in the company has to obey this data policy and only go does, to these websites. Does your websites. phone
1: have a camera on it? Yeah. Wow, you're very special then.
0: yeah it's like you know being the guy that enforces those policies like i get lighter restriction on myself which is makes you know working in a company like less painful i guess you know if i want to get on my my gmail and check my mail at work like i can you know (laughs) maybe other people in my company can't but i certainly can so being an it guy is kind of neat for that reason um yeah, like so. Yeah, I'm still out here, and uh, I don't think I'm ever gonna go back to the Midwest now. Now that I've tasted a winter of of 35 or higher degrees all winter, like I've been grilling out every single weekend. The yeah, when that, when
1: that cold snap hit here, I didn't even know about it because it was just the same thing as usual here. Oh, it's 20, oh, yeah. it's 20 <laughs> degrees. Oh wow, you know, at least it's not 10.
0: Oh, yeah, like, I, I remember during the cold snap, I, like, looked into where Chicago was at, and it was, like, negative 14 wind uh, chill, and Chicago, I was, Chicago, like,
1: man, th- that is no bullshit when they talk about the Windy City. No bullshit yeah. at all. That stuff cuts you to pieces. It's terrible. Yeah, so
0: I was, like, so happy to not be there. I was, like, <laughs> it's negative 14 there. I'm in L.A. It is 68 degrees outside <laughs> right now. Like, this is awesome. Yeah, I mean now that i've sampled the west coast like I, i've always had my objective is seattle i like rain i like mild weather i like you know kind of the attitude of the series, the city rather it's you know it's more liberal and um like it has tons and tons of asians of all kinds which uh i like a lot of asian things so i no, was kind of
1: you, you were from uh the town formerly known as peoria right Formally
0: known? What happened?
1: Uh, I thought it was Richard Pryor Grad. No, I thought that's what they renamed it to. <laughs> I'm not Pryor s- Grad. <clears throat> no. Um, I, I'd believe it. I'd believe it. Yeah. Well, everybody leaves there, right?
0: It's, um, it's a no, town, like normal, all my normal, friends. But I
1: mean like everyone you've ever heard of has left there. Let's put it that way.
0: Everyone famous, yeah. yeah. Everyone I know is still there. I left basically all of my friends behind. Like, which is, you know, was hard. But... Like I I felt it was necessary to evolve, you so know, are you to challenge go work myself. For Nintendo now? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I actually did apply. They had an opening for an IT guy, but it was like kinda way above my pay grade.
1: Yeah. They well you know like, they say that I mean I don't know if this is still true, but that they say Nintendo is like one of the best companies to work for. You know, you don't get laid off and and people don't treat you like shit and stuff like that. I don't know if that's still the case, but...
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't have to work for a game company. I like video games and everything, but I mean, I'm an IT guy. So if I work in a game company...
1: It doesn't really change anything, does it? Yeah, it's like, I don't
0: see how it's like...
1: It's still Microsoft Word won't run type shit.
0: Except for I'll be like tied under 50,000 NDAs and I'll have to be so mega attentive to security and cyber attacks because, you know, if someone hacked Bungie and stole stuff for the new halo like that would be a huge huge deal You know? yeah good point yeah no one's gonna so if it's you're like, working at like a,
1: a candy corn company no one's gonna. <laughs> not as much cyber espionage going on <laughs>
0: yeah it's like um i work for a really huge company right now um they make a lot of the food that you guys eat
1: oh well, wow. do uh, they make candy corn it better not I be archer daniels midland is it
0: i don't know what that is okay
1: good so. <laughs>
0: no this this is a huge company. Uh, if you turn over some condiments from your fridge or something in a can or you go to McDonald's or something, you're eating some of their food like they they make uh, They make stuff worldwide. We ship to Japan a lot, so there's all kinds of like Japanese people and, and wrappers and stuff around my plant and like it's It's an interesting kind of place to be. I mean so like I said, wherever I work, you know. It doesn't really matter. I'm still just managing SQL and Active Directory and Windows and yada, 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 yada. Like, I can imagine I work for Bungie, and it's like, oh, you know, like, I'm having licensing trouble. I tried to install, like, ZBrush the other day to load up this model, and now it's not working. And, you know, like, it's the same crap. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think I'd have a cool job where I high-five Master Chief all day. Like, nah, you know, it's not how it's going to go down. Mm,
1: no, not when not when you're working for a game company that has 900,000 employees. Yeah. Bungie's
0: gonna... actually kind of small. I saw behind the scenes of it. I mean, it, it looks like it's like 100 employees or less. It's not very big.
1: Well, they must outsource um, stuff then. I don't think you can make a game with 100 people yeah, anymore, well, can you?
0: All the, all the big video game companies now outsource stuff like, you know, like when you're walking down a hallway, think about it. In the hallway, you need wallpaper, you need a mirror, you need a, a desk stand, and there has to be a lamp on it, and some pieces of paper. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know, I know a guy who does that, actually. He yeah, just builds
1: like, shit at home and then says, hey, anyone want this? And then you just buy the model from him.
0: Yeah, it's like, so what these big companies do is they outsource to other companies to do all the mundane shit like make lamps (laughs) and light fixtures and like you know barber poles and all the other shit that like isn't important that doesn't need like our artist to be wasting his time on you know
1: yeah it's not very romantic
0: no i mean like i said you know that's why it's like people are like oh you know you should definitely go work for a game company or you know oh you know you should try to get in with penny arcade and it's like yeah that would be really awesome you know but I understand that there's just too many people that would think that's awesome. And I'm not like, <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't die or cut off an arm or whatever to make it happen. So I would be happy just kind of living in a city I want to live in and never having to experience winter again. And like, you know, yeah. a classic cool.
1: example is I, I now have the, I have this job that I really don't like very much because I got laid off from my cool one. And, um, Basically, it's a company that's most famous for building NASCAR chassis. So that, even though I don't like NASCAR, that still sounds exciting. But it isn't, because what I actually do is take normal production cars and instrument them so they can get smashed into a wall and they can read data about them. Totally boring as fuck.
0: Like, it has nothing to do with...
1: So if I understand
0: this right, like, let's say there was, like, a Honda Accord. Like, you would hook up sensors and junk to it. And then they would run it into a wall.
1: Yeah, and except then- that, like, I'm only a piece of that. I'm only a cog in that machine, you know. So, like, basically I, they send me a car. Like, some, usually it's something that hasn't been made yet or it's different from the one that you can buy in some way. And so they give you a list of rip all this stuff out of it. Like, if they're going to weld on the floor, you have to remove the gas tank so nothing explodes take all the stuff out of it, and then you have to make a bunch of modifications to it so they can um, put these targets on it and accelerometers, and you put like 100 accelerometers on the skin so that when it gets hit, you can see how it deforms, and uh, so then you go, oh, it's done, and then they take it away on a truck, and they bring it back the next day, and it's all foobarred, and you get to rip it all to pieces and follow more instructions, and maybe they'll smash it again, and it's nowhere near as exciting as it sounds.
0: Well, I mean, it doesn't sound exciting, but like, At least that's like, you know, I help make cars safer by facilitating their testing.
1: Oh, yeah, I could lord that over people like no other.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's like like you actually do a job that needs to be done
1: like the guy like the guy who's like a cook on a battleship he's like i protect america (laughs) by flipping burgers on a battleship yeah
0: the quartermaster (laughs) it's like i distribute the the uniforms and don't let anyone have too many bars of soap in a month like congrats
1: awesome you. it's that kind of thing and i've got an interview next week for a much more exciting place so hopefully that'll Hopefully that'll happen and more exciting things as well as more high paying things will result from that.
0: Yep. So like also my living room has exploded in amazingness, like maybe even since the last time I talked about it. Um, the current setup right now is a uh, side by side, 50 inch plasmas, um, two Xbox three sixties, a PS three, a Wii, um, a PS2, a Dreamcast. Uh,
1: okay, how does the display handle the Dreamcast by VGA? Do you have hooked up a VGA? Uh,
0: it's not hooked up right now, but yeah, I have a VGA port on there for just that occasion. Okay. Like well, I, I haven't hooked it up that. since I got second TV. So
1: I want you to test that because um, two if because the Dreamcast is 640 by 480, mm-hmm. and that's kind of small compared to, you know, 1080. Um, but it would be neat. it'd be interesting to see um, how that works out, and it, if you can display it not stretched in any way. If you can just display, display it native, or exactly double native, or something, so that it isn't fucking morphed and ruined, like new TVs tend to do to anything that isn't HDMI. Um, yeah, no shit. Yeah, it's this point. So, uh, Test okay. that shit I'll, out.
0: I'll continue going on here, let's see. So... I've got that, and then I got, um, like, my my anniversary gift to my wife was I bought her 7.1 Surround. So I went on, like, some big audio file forums because I was like, surely the names I've heard of, like Bose and, and Sony and whatever, like, surely those aren't the best makers. There's probably some cheap but really great maker that I've never heard of. So they quickly indeed referred me to the speaker company .com, and they're like buy their shit it's dope and is really cheap so i have a onkyo hdmi receiver i have um like two giant towers like four bookshelves like a giant two hundred and 50 watt front firing subwoofer i don't even know if that's the right wattage it's some huge 400 watt i don't know it's
1: something so big you have to turn it on to minimum all the time right
0: uh, yeah i usually keep it like at about 40 percent.
1: oh that's the highest i've ever heard of anyone turning up their subwoofer <laughs> i know these guys <laughs> who's they, like they 30%. buy like i knew a guy had an 18 inch uh sirwin vega 1000 watt subwoofer in an apartment so the thing was basically always on one all the time. Like, why did you buy this? Because it fucking rattles the drywall right off the walls if you turn it up even the slightest bit. It was Yeah, silly. it's
0: like, I, I definitely don't have it even up to, to half. I, yeah. I think it's at 30 or 40%. I'm not sure. I haven't gotten back there in a while. But, um so I, I have that, and um so to tie this all together, because all these game systems and all these, like, fucking amplifiers or anything, I bought the Harmony One remote. Oh, that's which nice. Is, which is so great if you have this complicated setup with five remotes buy yourself a harmony i know you're gonna be like it's like a hundred something bucks like i don't want it get it anyway yeah it's nice it is way nice like right now like i have one button right and it's called play tv or, or watch tv and play xbox 360 and i push the button and it turns on the 360 Turns on that TV, sets it to the 360 input, turns on the receiver, turns on the cable box, turns on the other TV, sets them all to the right input. And then, like. You can have it play the movie, be,
1: too. If you put a movie in the Xbox, you can have it play the movie. Yeah,
0: more it's more like, like you know. Yeah. I like to do a lot of TV watching while playing video games because I have a very. I need to multitask. It's hard for me to concentrate on one thing. So kind of how my brain works.
1: Well, some things aren't worthy of your attention anyway. And a lot of TV is just simply not worthy of your full attention. It has to be next to something else.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's like I always have to be doing a few things at once. So it's like just that one button turns on and flips all those switches, right? Um, I even have the PS3 dongle, so it controls the PS3. nobody
1: has that. (laughs) I don't Uh, know anybody who has that.
0: Amazon had a deal that the uh, PS3 dongle for free with purchase of the remote.
1: That's pretty nice.
0: Yeah, it was like a fifty dollar dongle. So that yeah. was a great deal. Um so yeah, and then like when I turn it all off, I press the power button and I walk away and it yeah. does everything for me. And so, it has
1: a little, it has a charging stand, right? It's got a Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's nice.
0: So Anyone ever wants to come hang out with, with Kaze if you're uh Well, uh, what you gotta do is you gotta figure in. out
1: how well the Dreamcast works on those TVs, and if it works well, I'll bring my entire Virtual On setup, and we can go versus on that shit.
0: <laughs> you're just gonna annihilate me at Virtual On. You know when the last time I played Virtual On was? Well, I'm not the really that good Castle at it. in 1994. Oh. Like, I don't know how to play Virtual On anymore. So you anymore. haven't
1: played Oratorio or Tangram?
0: I don't even know what that is.
1: That's the second one. The Dreamcast one.
0: Yeah, i was not a virtual lawn fan. It's like, I sat down in the arcade where it had the two giant handles and triggers. Yeah. Well, and my yeah, the one sat- that you
1: usually find in American arcades is the first game, and the second game is perfected upon that. The first game's pretty rough because it doesn't have uh, air dashing. So, like, it's just you, you, if you ever jump, it's just kind of you regret it because, oh, shit, well, now I'm y- up here in the air. You're,
0: you're getting <laughs> too technical. Like, I'm saying, like, I sat at one cabinet. My friend sits at the cabinet next to me. You know, we both put in our quarters. We run around and shoot. Like one of us dies, the other one like laughs, and that's the end of Virtual on. You know.
1: Well, it's like this. You know, Dragon's Lair. When you were eight and you went in the machine to play Dragon's Lair, and it was fifty cents, and you put it in there and you died at the very first thing. Three, well, five times. You get five guys. You died five times in a row and you walked away from the machine because you you can't get good at it because it's too expensive. It's too arc. It's too abstract. But once you have, like, virtual on with the real controller, because it's unplayable on Dreamcast with a Dreamcast pad, you have to have a twin stick. If you have a real twin stick and it's fun free play and you've got a good display and everything and you can just jam on it, you can pick that shit up in, like, 15 minutes. It, it's not that easy. To, it's not that hard to get into at all. It's not like trying to learn Street Fighter or something like that.
0: Well, I will take it under advisement. In yeah. the meantime, uh, this has been Game Face Radio. I think I think we're officially out of battle two.
1: Yeah. You, you wanna you I'm wanna call sure this you wanna call this call round this. three? Uh maybe. <laughs> I haven't even put that thought into it.
0: Well let, let let's let's go with that unless something better comes up and uh you know, this is this has been Game Face Radio and we will try to keep this uh maybe more regular than it's been in the past. And uh if you wanna check us out, we have a terrible website that I never <laughs> fixed. <laughs> Uh, that I let Zeta put together at uh um, I am now on Facebook and we have a fan page and I will probably rant later on about Facebook and why I eventually caved but uh, uh
1: there's a Twitter
0: there is a twitter yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i didn't even know that Twitter sucks but if you're on it you can <laughs> you can follow us and receive tweets about Zeta talking about cars and robots i guess no
1: no that that would be my twitter this is just game face radio
0: okay so the game face Radio twitter um facebook uh i am just called Croy kaze look for the red eye logo um and uh i mean i I don't know if zeta wants to give out his facebook because it's under his actual name so Uh, i'll let him figure out what he wants to do it's
1: totally un game face radio related so i don't put that shit up there If you give a shit, come find me, but there's not going to be anything about, um, Queen's Blade on there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, feel free to hit us up in any way, shape or form. And, um, you know, it's a virtual world. There's a lot of ways to stay connected. Thank you for listening and we're out.